You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Then the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. Where is that place? The rock city of Petra. That they should feed her there 1,260 days or three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. Okay? So in the midst of God pouring out his wrath, God preserves and protects his people, Israel. God wants nothing but good for His children. It breaks His heart to watch us suffer through the effects and byproducts of the sin that plagues this world. Israel, the nation He chose to serve as an example for the rest of the world of what it means to be a part of God's family, has strayed far from Him and rejected His invitations to salvation. Yet, as Pastor Mike will point out in today's message, God still has His hand on them as a nation and ultimately, he will bring many of them back to himself. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 11 as he begins his message, War in Heaven. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Okay, so I've included verse 19 of chapter 11 in our study because I think verse 19 actually introduces us to chapter 12. You know, just consider it, if you will, a prelude to what is about to happen. All of what is recorded for us in chapter uh, 12. All of the events that extend not only through chapter 12, but all the way through chapter 14. Now, because of the things John describes here for us in verse 19 of chapter 11, this prophecy is chiefly related to the nation of Israel. Because notice there in verse 19, what's recorded there for us? Notice the mention of the Ark of the Covenant, which was located in the temple of God. Now, now both of these things particularly relate to the nation of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant. What was the Ark of the Covenant? Well, we know that the Ark of the Covenant was made out of Ikea wood, 
It was gold-plated, so it was actually covered in uh, gold. It contained within it the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, and a pot of manna. But more than anything else, it represented, think about this, the presence of God. Remember when the, the children of Israel in the wilderness, as God had given Moses the direction for the building of the Ark of the Covenant, you know, in the morning when they were to travel through the wilderness on their way to the land of promise, to the land of Canaan, uh, they would have these, they would carry the Ark of the Covenant through these staves, and the priests would carry it in the procession, and, and this Ark of the Covenant would, would uh, precede the people, it, it would lead the people. But that Ark of the Covenant represented a, uh, the manifestation of, of God, of God's uh, presence. And remember, it was before and over the Ark of the Covenant where the Shekinah glory of God appeared uh, to God's people, Israel. So more than anything else, that Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God amongst his uh, people. And again, uh, when that Ark of the Covenant, later on was when the, uh, the temple, when Solomon's temple and then later on Herod's temple uh, was built, uh, there in the city of, of Jerusalem, they placed that Ark of the Covenant behind the uh, veil that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And remember, only once a year, the high priest and him alone was able to pass through that veil and stand before the Ark of the Covenant and offer the sacrifice. Uh, the Jews uh, know it as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, right? So it was only once a year where the high priest and him alone could actually uh, pass through the veil and that separated the holy place from the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was and he would offer his sacrifice unto God. It was there where the high priest actually met with God and offered the sacrifice. So think of it then, verse 19. Both of these uh, mentions of the Ark of the Covenant and the temple of God particularly relate to the nation of Israel. So once again, let me say, verse 19, the mention of the Ark of the Covenant located in the temple, uh, which has to do with the nation of Israel. So verse 19 particularly relates to the nation of Israel, God's people. This heavenly temple, though, the picture that's being painted here is not upon the earth, remember. It's in heaven. The heavenly temple, after which the tabernacle in the wilderness, and then the temple of the Jews, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, were patterned, and it comes into a view. So there actually is a temple there in heaven, and contained within that temple, in fact, is the Ark of the uh, Covenant. So more than anything else, it speaks of, verse 19, of God's covenant with Israel in the midst of this a judgment. I mean, think about it. We're right in the middle of the seven years of tribulation, right? God is pouring out, venting his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting uh, world. So what does this scene suggest to us, particularly as it relates to the nation of Israel? And again, the indication of God's judgment is found in the lightnings. Go back to verse 19 for, for a moment there. Notice the lightnings, the thunderings, the earthquakes, uh, the hail. And uh, which is uh, an indication of God's wrath or God pouring out his judgment. 
But as it relates to the nation of Israel, it implies that during this time, God is fulfilling his word, his promise, to protect and preserve the nation of Israel during the seven years of tribulation. Now, I don't know if you know if, if you remember this last time. We talked about this. Go to, uh, if you would, verse 6. And notice there in verse 6, we are told, then the woman fled, and this woman, and we'll establish the identity of this woman in just a moment, whom I believe is Israel, and I'll give you the reasons why I believe that in just a moment. But then the woman, and let's just for the sake of making this point, that this is Israel, and I believe it is. Then the woman, or Israel, fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days, or three and a half years. Now remember, last week I had mentioned, and I cross-referenced, uh, this verse for you, and this is alluring to the time when God preserves the, his people Israel in the rock city and fortress of Petra. Do you remember me mentioning that last time? In fact, uh, the reference to this is found in the book of Isaiah in chapter 16, just in case you forgot. In Isaiah chapter 16, in verses 4 and 5, let my outcast dwell with you, O uh, Moab. And this is a reference to uh, Petra. And last time together I had mentioned that Petra was 115 miles southwest of Amman, Jordan. Be a shelter to them, that is my people Israel, from the face of the spoiler. Who's the spoiler? The Antichrist. For the extortioner is at an end and devastation uh, ceases the oppressor are consumed out of the land. In mercy, the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth. And who is he referring to here? Jesus. When he comes back the second time to establish his kingdom upon uh, the earth, so one will sit on in, in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening Righteousness. Okay, so when will this event actually take place? That is, God protecting and preserving his people, Israel, during the latter part, or the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. Now, when does this whole thing begin? Well, remember last time we also talked about that the Antichrist establishes a covenant between Israel and the Arab nations, and in that covenant, they're allowed to rebuild their uh, temple. And remember, I had also mentioned that the Jews revert back to an Old Testament type of worshiping their God, uh, offering the sacrifices and such, all of the things that we read about in the way that God's people, uh, Israel, worship God in the Old Testament. So they revert back to that. So the temple has now been rebuilt, but in the middle of the seven years of tribulation, and now the temple has already been rebuilt. Remember last time I had mentioned that the Antichrist goes back into the temple, three and a half years into the seven years of tribulation, and he establishes an image of himself, and by the help of his witness, that uh, image has the capacity to be able to speak. And the Antichrist declares himself as God, and demands that, that the people that are alive upon the face of the earth throughout all nations, throughout all world, the, the entire world, 
worship him as God. But you see, and this is the, well, it's not a problem, Israel refuses to do that. And because of the fact that Israel refuses to do that, and by the way, that's referred to as the abomination of desolation, you remember? We talked about that last time. Okay, so in his fury, the Antichrist turns and begins to, in a very calculated way, an attempt to actually eliminate the Jewish race. Uh, you know, it, it, we talked about this last time as well. It, it's sort of like uh, what Hitler uh, did, uh, you know, in, in trying to uh, eliminate the Jewish race through the Holocaust uh, back during uh, World War II, uh, right? And uh, so, so the Antichrist leashes out an attack against God's people, Israel, but God steps in to protect his people. And they flee into the wilderness, according to the scriptures, and they are protected in this fortress, the rock city of Petra, as I've just mentioned, that is recorded for us uh, there in that portion of scripture that we've just read in Isaiah chapter 16. So let's go back to verse 6 here in chapter 12. Now, does this make more sense to you? Then the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. Where is that place? The rock city of Petra. That they should feed her there 1,260 days or three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. Okay? So in the midst of God pouring out his wrath, God preserves and protects his people, Israel. Okay, now... With that out of the way, chapter 11 and verse 19, that now takes us to chapter 12 in verses 1 and uh, 2. And it also brings us to our first point, and that is the woman and child before us. So if you're taking notes, write that down. The woman and child before us. Okay, let's read verses 1 and 2. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Okay, so, so who, are this, who are these individuals? Who is this woman and child before us? Well, I believe that there is a passage of Scripture in the Bible, where the sun, the moon, and the stars are discussed in a way which answers this question for us. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to quickly turn with me in your Bible to the book of Genesis in chapter 37, and I'll just wait for you uh, for a moment. In Genesis chapter 37, in verses 9 and 11, so if you just quickly turn there with me, Genesis chapter 37. But let me set this up for you before we go ahead and, and read that text. Uh, in this portion of scripture, we're introduced to Jacob. And Jacob had, as you know, 12 sons. And his favorite son was whom? Joseph. Remember, which was indicated by the coat of many colors that Jacob gave to his son uh, Joseph. But Joseph dreamed these certain dreams. And in these dreams, they were all about 
how that he would be exalted over his family. Okay? So with that said, let's go ahead and read now. Genesis 37, beginning in verse 9. Then he, Joseph, dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, and by the way, this contributed to a fierce sibling rivalry because he was one of the younger brothers and the older brothers didn't like the idea you know, that he would uh, you know, actually uh, be exalted or have dominion over the other brothers. So this really contributed to a sibling rivalry that existed between the brothers to the extent that they actually wanted to kill him. Remember the hole that they dug and they threw him in it? And then he was sold into slavery. Uh, you remember that? The Ishmaelite uh, traders who were heading down to Egypt and rather than killing him, uh, they took him out of the hole and he went along with the caravan down to Egypt and he was sold on the slave block down there. Remember? Well, anyway, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Verse 10. So he told it to his father, who's his father? Jacob, and his brothers, the 11 other brothers, and his father rebuked him, Jacob, and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother, who's his mother? Rachel, and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you. And then in verse 11, and his brothers envied him, that's putting it mildly, but his father kept the matter in uh, mind. Okay, so go back to verse 10 for a moment, and we conclude that Jacob, Joseph's dad, understood these symbols. What symbols? the sun, the moon, and the stars, to represent his entire family. And what would that family include? The nation of Israel. Remember, it was through the 12 sons, whereby we have the 12 tribes of uh, Israel. And the woman that is uh, pictured for us here in verse 1, of whom concerning the flesh that Christ came, right? Who is the woman? Israel. But remember, it was the woman, verse 1, is Israel, of whom concerning the flesh, Christ came. So the child brought forth here in verse 2 is none other than whom? It's Jesus Christ. And think about it, God's great purpose in bringing Israel into being was to make that nation a repository for his word and a nation through which the Savior would ultimately come. That was a part of God's eternal plan. Now, for further validation of this, concerning this child, let's go back to our text, and I want you to notice in verse 5. Let's read verse 5. In verse 5, she, Israel, bore a male, a male child, who was to rule all nations. And notice the way that this male child is presented to us, is described for us, and we, there's no possible other conclusion or interpretation that we can come to other than that this is none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She, Israel, bore a male child and was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, 
and her child was caught up to God and his uh, throne. Okay, so what do we have here in verse 5? Well, think about it. This is a summary, then, of three significant events that took place in our Lord's life. First of all, his incarnation. What does it say there in verse 5? She bore a male child. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, the Bible tells us that he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So, a reference to the incarnation of Jesus uh, Christ, right? And then you have the ascension. Notice also, go back to verse 5 in the latter part. And this child was caught up to God and his throne. Remember the ascension of Jesus Christ, as is depicted for us in the book of Acts, in chapter uh, 1. But then also, this reference to his second coming. When he comes, notice, verse 5, he will rule all nations with the rod of iron. Okay, so the summary uh, listed for us of three significant events that actually take place in our Lord's life. His incarnation, his ascension, and his second coming. And listen, no other person in history fits into these details here. So this male child has to be. Would you agree? I don't think there's any other explanation, uh, interpretation, possible interpretation. No one fits into this description other than Jesus Christ himself. I mean, it can only be said of Jesus, he shall rule all nations with the rod of iron. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. For example, in the second Psalm, in verses 8 and 9, ask of me and I will give you, now this is, this is the Father speaking to the Son here, the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your uh, possession. Verse 9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Let me give you another cross-reference for this. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, in one of our future studies, we're going to get into this in greater detail, but a little preview. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, when Jesus comes back a second time and establishes his millennial kingdom upon the earth. And by the way, we're going to come back with him. And we're going to rule and reign together with Christ. We're going to sort of, sort of be like a governors, if you will. And we're going to actually enforce God's laws. Could you imagine? And God will give us these different places that we will actually be governors over. So you know what? You can put dibs on whatever you like right now. You can even think about it. And you can choose exactly what place you want to rule over. And I remember Pastor Chuck always wanted to rule over Maui in Hawaii. And uh, so you can put dibs on wherever you'd like to rule and reign together with Christ. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mike today to study the book of Revelation, the final book in the Bible. If you'd like to listen to more, just visit our website, harvestnyc.org. 
You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Finizio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet at 11 a.m., and you can reserve your seat online by clicking on Contact at HarvestNYC.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area or if you're just unable to attend in person right now, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time of studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch up with previous messages, check out our services through our Vimeo link, or you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Links to all these are available at our website, harvestnyc.org. Before we end our time with you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us in this ministry. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting In My Father's House? Donations of any size can be made securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for praying about this, and thanks for joining us today on In My Father's House.